Thank you, Sue. And uh, wasn't that wonderful to hear from Joy? Take the opportunity to chat to her over morning tea if you'd like to hear more of a story. I had to edit it down from about 30 minutes, so um, there's a lot more to tell. But um, didn't know what your attention span was like. Speaking of attention spans, uh, those who are here in the school congregation will be pleased to know that this will be a little bit shorter than normal. Um, for the chapel congregation, it might be a bit longer. No, I don't know. But it might be, I'll see how it goes. We are looking at um, this passage in 2 Corinthians, and next week's going to be our final week uh, looking at uh, this part of the letter that Paul has written to the church in Corinth. And you will notice uh, there in uh, the chapter that was, uh, the per- verses that were just read there by Sue, uh, that today... Uh, we are thinking about reconciliation. The word is all through the passage. Paul is talking about it. Uh, we love reconciliation, don't we? Uh, you know the scene at, at airports uh, where people who have not uh, seen each other for a long time are reconciled, that joy, the tears that are coming down people's faces when they are catching up with people they haven't seen before. The reconciliation of reunions that we might have. Uh, I like the movie Home Alone. I actually think that movie is all about reconciliation. There's the movie uh, story where uh, Kevin, the young boy, is reconciling with his parents. Uh, And there's also the other narrative that goes through the movie with uh, the older man across the street who has not spoken to his children for years and years and years, and the movie ends with the power of reconciliation. Yet we also know that reconciliation is a very complex business, isn't it? It's something that uh, we know it's complex because relationships are messy. Uh, Hurt goes deep, uh, and so sometimes the desire for reconciliation can be there for decades, but the reality is not experienced. Politically, uh, we know that there's a lot of talk about our reconciliation between Australia and our First Nations people and the complexity that exists there and what that would look like for reconciliation to occur because hurt goes deep, relationships are messy, and so reconciliation isn't straightforward. Reconciliation itself is an accounting term Uh, It's not just a relational term. Uh, You'll know it if you're used to talking about balancing the books. And in today's passage, we see that reconciliation is both a relational and, in a sense, accounting. So let's have a look at uh, the passage that we have before us. Picking up at verse 18, and we see the Apostle Paul, who wrote the letter, has been given a ministry of reconciliation. See there, verse 18. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry, the work, the service of reconciliation. Now, first thing to note is the reconciliation is not between two people, but between people and God. We're going to look at why that is a little bit more later on, but why does the passage say, first of all, well, The reason that Paul is doing is it's because this is what God is in the business of doing. God, verse 19, was reconciling 
the world to himself in Christ, not counting men's sins, people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So God has been in the business of doing that, bringing the world to himself. And I don't know, when you think about what God is doing in the world, you might think God is doing nothing at the moment. You might think God is doing things of, of, of terrible injustice. You might think that God is blessing people in abundant ways with prosperity. Do you think that God is, the work that God is in the business of doing in the world is reconciling the world to himself in Christ? Is that what you think of God when you think of what God is doing in the world? It's probably not the first thing that springs to mind, but this is what the Bible says time and time again, that the work that God is doing in the world is bringing people to himself in Christ Jesus. And we see there that the message of reconciliation is the key aspect for what Paul is doing. It's news. It's not about what we do. It's about what God has done. It's about announcing news of a new Lord, a new victor, a new one to serve, a new one to bow your knee to. It's the news of reconciliation. And then we see again that accounting language, not counting men's sins against them. So we see, you imagine the ledger there with uh, the things that (laughs) we have done against God, that means we're not reconciled to God. And God says, in Christ, he is not counting those sins against them. So we are reconciled relationally and in terms of mathematically, accounting language we are as well. Now just pause just for a moment there. I think we, if you've been a Christian for a while, you, you kind of know that. But it's wise, I think, from time to time, just to take a, a, I think Paul writes this for the purpose that we actually take a mental break and pause and think about what our ledger actually is. He wouldn't be writing it if there was no ledger. So if you're here this morning and thinking, well, I've got quite a small ledger, I've only got a couple of things there that really need to be dealt with. They're fairly minor. Or you might be thinking, I've got a really long ledger. But do you believe that you actually have something that is out of whack, out of balance between where you stand with God? I'm not sure, depending on your own experience, I think we can sometimes, in this part of the world, where we can sometimes trick ourselves into thinking we are more morally upright um, than other parts of Australia or other societies in the world, other cultures, partly due to our blessing and the education that we've received. And we can kid ourselves into thinking that our ledger is quite small. We're, We're generally decent people with a few little things that we need to deal with. Well, if that was the case, then Christ wouldn't need to come just to deal with a few black marks. God is in the business of reconciling himself, reconciling the world to himself through Christ, not counting your sins against you. And that's a huge thing to say. And Paul is in the business of going and telling people about this reconciling work. We see there in verse 20. Therefore, we are Christ's ambassadors. As through God... So, as though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, before we go any further, 
and see what he's imploring us to do, we need to just... This is something we might take for granted, but I think it's worth saying because I think we can trick ourselves into separating the words of Paul and the work of Paul with the work of Christ and the words of Christ. That is, that the work that God is doing in the world of reconciliation has been entrusted to Paul to make this appeal. Now, why is that significant? Well, I think there can be times when we're reading the letters of Paul and we go, oh, that's Paul. Yeah, he says some weird things. I'd like to get back to what Jesus said. Well, what we have here from Paul is saying, no, he's an ambassador. He's actually making an appeal on God's behalf as Christ's ambassador. If you, if you are here and you are not Jewish or of Jewish descent, you are a Christian today because of the ministry of Paul. He went to the Gentiles when all the other apostles went to the, the, the historical people of Israel, the Jewish people. So we receive the gospel through Paul. Now that's significant, uh, which we won't go into now, but he writes a lot of the New Testament. And he writes some of the things that we might be uncomfortable with, but he is making his appeal on Christ's behalf. And what is the appeal? Be reconciled to God. Now we all have our, our hobby horses. I don't know what yours are. I don't know what you think mine are. You can tell me later what you think my hobby horses are. Um, I'd be interested to hear. You see them when you see politicians on, on interviews, they always seem to come back to their hobby horses, things they like to talk about time and time again. Every question goes back to that. Paul, his hobby horse, if that's the right word, is this. Be reconciled to God. Let's break it down just for a moment, what that means. First of all, let's go for the first part of it. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled. Not be refreshed by God, not be interested in God, uh, not be inspired by God, not be curious about God, but be reconciled to God. That's his message. Let's break down the second part of the sentence. Be reconciled not to work, not to family, not to career, but to God. That is his message. That is Paul's hobby horse. That is the message of the whole of the New Testament. If you're going to take one thing away from the New Testament and you sort of say, how does it apply to me? It's this. Be reconciled to God. Be reconciled to God. Don't just be inspired by the teachings of Jesus. Don't just find Jesus useful for your day-to-day life as he is. Be reconciled to God. How? Verse 21. Let Jesus take your sin. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. That is how you become reconciled to God. If you've got your Bible there and you can see that verse in front of you, a little exercise to do as we finish up about what it means to be reconciled to God 
when you see the word sin there, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us. In your mind, just substitute your deepest, darkest struggle, the part of your life that you feel is just not right between you and God. Maybe something you haven't admitted to anyone before. It might be pride, it might be lust, it might be envy. There might be something very, very dark there. And substitute that word into that first part of verse 21. God made him who had no lust, pride, envy, to be an envious person for us, a lustful person, a sinner for us. Now, the second part, so that in him we might become, and then flip over, insert, instead of righteousness, the opposite of what that sin is that you just had in your mind. The humble person, the perfectly content person, the servant, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. We've been thinking about prayer this morning and uh, its importance in our life. Just the one implication for today of being reconciled to God. Take that verse, verse 21, and pray over it this morning and pray over it this week. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you have given us the message of reconciliation through your apostle. We ask that all of us today will heed that message. I ask for those people amongst us who might be feeling like they're sitting on the fence, even afraid to receive that invitation to be reconciled to you. I ask that you'll be giving them the strength to accept that invitation, to be reconciled to you, to accept the substitute that you have given to us in your Son. I ask that by your Spirit you'll be strengthening them. Help us to live as a reconciled people, knowing the reconciliation that we have with you. We ask that will overflow into the way that we interact with others in love. Amen.